Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Savan. Would you like to say hello? Hi, How? thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, I'm so happy to have you on. So tell us about yourself. What is your name, your pronouns? Maybe start us off with a fun fact. Sure, uh, my name is Savan Hong. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a neurodiverse children's book author. That is really amazing. I'm really excited to dive into questions about your books <laughs> because I looked a little on your site and it looks, your books just look amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what is your neurodivergence? So um, I have ADHD and um, dyslexia and, um, and I have two neurodivergent kids. Um, one of them has um, ADHD, actually they both have ADHD and the other one is autistic. Um, and so the three of us are the three people in the house and they're divergent. And my husband is left out because he, so he gets to see all of us, um, be our great neurodivergent self and poor guy, he gets left out. Well, um, that feeds into the next question. What is your favorite part about being neurodivergent or I guess a neurodivergent household? Um, it's an interesting question actually, because I'm not sure I know any other way to be, right? It's nice to be able to put a label on it. So when, in my case, I'm emptying out the dishwasher and I take out two dishes and then go off and do something else, I have a label that I can put on it. This is why I, you know, my brain works this way. Um, but, but, but I just love kind of the fun chaos that it brings, right? That things aren't linear in our household. And it allows us all to be really creative and different. And I think different is fun and interesting. I definitely agree. I like asking people what their favorite part is. I get a different answer every time. It's like <laughs> the positivity of being neurodivergent is rarely talked about. And I like getting to bring that to light, I guess. Well, and I think it is so important. You know, kids growing up in a traditional education system hear over and over and over again why their difference isn't good, why their difference doesn't fit. They are told, you know, either actually flat out told or they hear in so many different ways that that they're not smart or they're not okay and they have challenges and nobody is telling them what you bring to the table is incredible and the world would be a less interesting and base without people like us. Um, and so I think it's up to us as a neurodivergent community to keep reminding everybody else of what we bring to the table and how cool it is. Definitely. I feel like we do have to teach kids and teach neurodivergent adults that are like new to their neurodivergent journey that like this is something that you bring to the table. Like you said, it's just something that you are bringing into the world that is unique and amazing. Was there one event or one thing that inspired you to write this way? Like write positively about neurodivergent? So um, when my oldest son was first diagnosed autistic, he was about two and a half. Um, and I noticed that there weren't a lot of children's books that showed kids wearing headphones or playing with fidget toys or, um, you know, talking about the need of having a, the comfort of having a schedule. And I wanted to use a book to show him that his, because picture books for little kids, if you remember what it's like to be a little kid, seeing something in a picture book kind of made it okay, right? Picture books do this great 
magic of showing somebody, you know, looking at themselves in the mirror and being like, oh, I'm not alone. This character is going through what I'm going through, so I must be okay. Um, and so I set out to create books like this so that my kid could look and say, oh, that's just like me. Um, and originally it was just kind of this thing that I was like, oh, I can write these stories for my kids, which I did. And then I realized these stories worked really well for my kids. Let me see if I could publish them so that other families could benefit from them. And I had no idea what I was doing. I, I don't have a background in writing. I, I never could have imagined in my wildest dreams that I would be an author. Um, but I just did it. Maybe it was hubris or something. And I just did it. And I published a, my first book about Halloween in February because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but it's a, a it, it's a children's book that does show the main character wearing headphones with his Halloween costume because as we know, Halloween can be sensory overload. And I got so many responses from parents saying that my kid looked at this and was like, oh, I'm not, you know, that's just me. I'm not alone. That I said, okay, uh, let me share the rest of these stories. And so that's what I've been doing. And um, I have five stories out about different experiences, but they all are very structured to work with the way our brains think, but all highlight kind of the strengths that come with being neurodivergent and the success that, 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 that our neurodivergent young kids can experience. So it really does focus on the positivity. And have you been writing all of your life or like you said, you don't have a background in it. Is this a passion that you newly discovered when you started oh. writing about neurodivergentness? Yeah, I, so growing up, I struggled with reading and writing. Um, I still can't spell. I will never be able to spell, I think, ever. I remember getting an F in spelling um, in elementary school and feeling like I'm the dumbest person on the planet, but that's just not the way my brain works. And now I'm fine with it. But so, no, writing was never something I thought I would do. But I used um, kind of one of my fidgets of doodling and that became the writing these illustrations. So I took things that I used when I was younger and, and now turned them into something that became real, that, that I could then, you know, share with the world. My books are very deliberately designed to be accessible for neurodivergent people. So, so the font is dyslexic friendly in all of my books. The illustrations are deliberately simple because oftentimes kids with ADHD will be distracted by beautiful illustrations. You focus on the character and, um, and all of my books are available as audiobooks because we all consume information in different ways. Um, so I try to make them as accessible as possible. And actually this summer, they all came out in Spanish as well. Oh, that's really cool. Um, the other thing I do is, is um, again, for me, writing books is not about making money or doing any of that stuff. I, I, w I have teacher guides for all of my website because it's not just about neurodivergent kids seeing themselves in books. It's really important that neurotypical kids see a kid wearing headphones in a book, because then if they see the kid in the classroom wearing headphones, it's not, oh, there's that weird kid wearing headphones. It's normalized, right? So I want teachers in classrooms to be able to share these books so that kids grow up seeing neurodivergent kids and just view it like, oh, that person may be tall or short or neurodivergent. And it's all part 
part of what makes us different. And we touched on what kids take away from your books, and I think it's incredible what you feel and what like kids do take away from these books. You, uh, you say all of these things you want kids to see, but what do you want parents to see about these books, or what do you want the adult figures in these neurodivergent kids' lives to take away from these books? That being neurodivergent is cool, right? That 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 having a neurodivergent kid is not a bad thing. These are just differences, and these differences are huge gifts. Um, I wish I could talk to every parent out there and remind them every day to look and see the gift that their child brings. And there's so many studies that are coming out that talk about the benefits of neurodivergence. Um, you know, it, there was a recent study done at Harvard University, and they looked at aerospace physicists, PhDs, and they took a group with dyslexia and a group without dyslexias of black holes. And the ones with dyslexia were able to identify the black holes three or four times faster with more accuracy than the neurotypical ones. Because people with dyslexia have an incredible ability with spatial awareness that neurotypical people don't have. But our education system doesn't focus on that strength, right? It focuses on, can you read what's the line on this book? That is a really wonderful message to send out to not only kids, but parents that like, you should like praise your child for what they can do rather than focusing on, oh, they can't do this thing. They can't like, they can't read this line in this book, like you said, but there's all these amazing things that neurodiverse kids, neurodivergent kids can do. And it's like amazing that you are focusing on that rather than what everyone seems to focus on, which is the, the negatives. Exactly. And if as parents, if we are not the ones who are constantly reminding them how great they are, I don't know who else is going to do that, right? So that is your big job, right? To keep showing them their strengths, to keep reminding them how cool they are, to keep reminding them that being different is a good thing, right? It That difference is what's going to make them great. Do you think your writing or how you write has any effect on your parenting? All of my books are true stories that happen to my kids. And I incorporate my kids in the writing process. So they get to pick the names of the characters of the book and all of their teachers who were wonderful in, in, in kind of these situations are the real names of the teachers in the book. And so the, my kids start understanding that it's not just about them, that, that by creating these books, we can share this positive thinking with other people. Um, and so it, it changes the way I parent my kids. It's about how do we help this community? And my kids see that through um, the process of me writing these books. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that you could have used your books as a kid? Do you think that would have been like a benefit in your life if you had seen someone like you in a book? Yes. I mean, well, I grew up in the 70s. Um, they never diagnosed girls with any neurodivergence of any kind, right? Like there is still a huge gap um, in terms of, of, but when I was younger, ADHD was something that only boys had, right? And it was only the boys that were jumping around acting crazy in the classroom. And the only way anybody thought about autism was Rain Man from, you know, the Dustin Hoffman character. Nobody understood what neurodiversity was. They didn't understand kind of the fact that it comes in every shape and size, right? That that it wasn't just this like 
typical white male thing. And they certainly didn't understand it as a strength. And so much, much of my childhood, when I struggled with why am I not a good reader? And, you know, how come I can't focus? And I feel like I'm smart, but it doesn't, but I have to work 10 times harder than everybody else. All of those negative feelings would have been explained to me with a diagnosis and with much more of an understanding. Um, but again, I don't think that that was just a me thing. I'm hoping in the next 20, 30 years, it's even better, right? Because because we are growing up and, and then our kids become, you know, more aware of it and, and pr proud about who they are, um, which will help the next generations kind of go through it. That's a really valuable thing to be putting out into the world. Just like, this is something that's going to help raise the next generation to see that neurodiversity and neurodivergence is a strength instead of a weakness. And like, it is something that every, everyone has like their own unique thing. And it's, it's lovely. I am really happy to see someone like you out there doing something to not only teach kids, but teach like guardians and teachers and just bring positivity to neurodivergence. Look, like there are moments that it's going to be hard for all of us. I don't want it to sound like, you know, I'm sugarcoating it all and it's rainbows and sunshine and, and all of that. But it's hard to be different no matter what, what your difference is. But we often hear the negativity. And so if we're going to over index in one direction, it should be on the positive part of it, right? Because the negative part is there. You know, I, I post a lot on social media and um, not because I'm very good at social media at all, but because I find that it's it's how um, I can tell people about my books. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, your posts are too positive. This is really hard. And, and I'm like, of course, it is over and over and over and over again about the hard parts. It's important to hear the messages about all the great things that come along with being neurodivergent. I definitely agree. If you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? I'm curious. Um, in in humor, I would say you don't actually need to learn how to spell. It would be that just because your teachers tell you that the way you think is wrong, doesn't mean it's so. That is also a really powerful message. There's a lot of teachers out there that will tell neurodivergent kids like, oh, this is the wrong way to do things or the wrong way to think or the wrong way to be. And I think if you could tell your younger self that, or even you now telling kids out there that it's just really valuable and important. If you could say one thing to educators of neurodivergent kids and young people, what would you say? I would say, learn as much as you can about it, right? I recognize that teachers are not equipped with the information and the skills to understand how to teach kids who learn differently. Right, whether it's they don't have the resources, whether they don't have the education, but um, but to read up on it and to talk to parents because parents know their kid, um, and to be flexible and open. My son had this incredible fourth grade teacher, who I went to him and I said, "Look, my son is not going to look you in the eyes when you're teaching him, and he can't just sit still and you know absorb whatever's coming." Can you please let him have a Rubik's cube in the classroom 
And that's the way he's going to be able to actually learn. And he was okay with my son sitting there kind of speed cubing the whole time while he was teaching because that's how my son listened. And he absorbed everything into the curriculum and learned. But if this teacher said, no, you know, eyes on me and, you know, sit still at your desk, my son wouldn't have been able to learn at all. So having those teachers who are willing to be flexible, who don't take the traditional, you know, if you're not looking at me and sitting still, you're being rude mindset, that goes a long way. It really does. I think the being rude thing is always has always been a personal struggle with like educating and with like social interaction. Being perceived as rude has always been something that like is it's like the worst thing you can be in neurotypical society is is like rude or inconsiderate or like creepy. And those are all things that people describe neurodivergent people as as they get older. And I think it's important to like teach kids that you're not being rude. You're just doing what is best for your learning and your like existence. <laughs> right. Well, and it is why is it on us to be the ones who aren't mm-hmm. rude? Right? Like communication is a two-way street. It is not judgment person to have to fit the mold of the other person I'm talking to. We need to come together and say, okay, this is how you communicate and this is how I communicate. So let's meet somewhere in the middle and understand that we communicate differently. But it shouldn't just be on neurodivergent people to try to change the way they are to make the other person feel comfortable. That's just one directional and it doesn't work. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It, it A lot of the pressure is on the neurodivergent people in society to mold themselves to be part of the neurotypical society as opposed to anyone who's neurotypical being willing to change for people and accommodate people that are neurodivergent. Exactly. Exactly. If you could say one thing to the neurodivergent listeners here, what would you say? Um, Keep doing what you're doing. And I think the most important thing is to share with other people that you're neurodivergent. This is not something to hide. This is not something to be ashamed about. You know, um, every time I hear a famous person or celebrity come out and talk, the better it is, right? But it's not just the celebrities. We should all be proud of who we are and talk to people about it so that the younger generation also feels proud of who they are. That it's not something to hide or be ashamed of, but that it's a gift. Is there anything, any topic that you haven't touched on in your books that you really want to, or that you hope to touch on in the future? Um, so my books are really targeted to young kids. So, so kind of three to nine, and it goes through things that are hard Uh, as we know that change is hard and so a lot of them touch upon change but there are so many other situations that I haven't touched on yet you know Halloween is hard the costumes are itchy it's loud all sorts of things that go along with that the first day of school the end of the school year I just released a book about the holidays Um, and I think that there's some other topics like going to the dentist or getting your hair cut or things like that when you're younger, particularly from a sensory perspective, uh, those kids know what to expect and can walk out of there feeling really good about themselves. Is there anything that you have learned about neurodivergence in your writing? Um, I think I've learned a lot, honestly. Like when I started off, I felt like, I don't want to say this kind of flippantly, but I was just a mom, right? And as I became a writer and as I put these books out there, I feel like I've become much more of an advocate 
for all of us in the neurodivergent community of, of talking about our strengths and of recognizing how much we contribute to society. You know, this past summer, the movie Oppenheimer came out and there's a character in that movie um, called Niels Borg. And Niels Borg was this great physicist and Oppenheimer's um, mentor. And he got a Nobel Prize in physics because he was the person who figured out what the atom looked like with the protons and the neutrons and the electrons. And he couldn't write. Writing was such a struggle for him. And in school, he used to dictate everything to his mother and she would write everything out. And she even wrote his dissertation um, because he struggled so much with writing. My guess is he had some sort of dysgraphia. And we wouldn't have so much in this world without him. And if he was in an environment that said, because you can't write, you're not gonna do well in school, you're not smart. If we kept saying that to somebody like that, well, there's a generation of kids out there that are hearing those messages still and think about what we are missing out as a society because we are not allowing those kids to thrive. So those sorts of lessons are the things that I have since learned about that allow me to say, look, this really is positive. Who cares if you can't write or if you can't read math the way they teach math? That doesn't mean that you don't have something to contribute that's going to make a difference in the world. I definitely agree. And I didn't know that about um, Oppenheimer's mentor, whose name, I struggle so much with names. Yeah, um, Niels Borg. Niels, Niels Borg. Niels Borg, yep. Yep, um, yep, yep. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. I'll have to look more into that because the idea that like someone who is so like, so important to the existence of physics today was like, was neurodivergent or like, was obviously not diagnosed, but had some sort of something going on that like, if today he would have been told, like, you couldn't do the things that you, that he obviously was able to do. It's that's, re- right. that's really interesting to that's me. That's right. And I love the idea that his brain worked in such a way that allowed him to come up with this discovery. If he was neurotypical, maybe he would have never been able to do that because the strengths in his brain wouldn't have been there, right? We have to focus on what that these strengths bring the challenges that come along with them because these strengths are there. Yeah, the strengths of being neurodivergent and the positivity surrounding it is something that like I always want to bring to light, but it's difficult when there's all of these pressures by society, by educators, by like parents just to fit in and be neurotypical. But the thing about being neurodivergent is you are uniquely you. You are not neurotypical. You never know what that's going to you're never going to know what that's going to be like being neurotypical. So I think focusing on the strength of it, especially like as you are two young kids it's really important i've said that a thousand times but it's it's true but that's good but but it's right right like but that's because you can say it a thousand more times because education and society keeps telling them the opposite right so can you imagine how many times we have to say it in order to counterbalance what they're hearing outside yeah i can only imagine Growing up, I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And I can only imagine what my life would be like if I was told, no, these things are not only, not only is there a label for these things, but these things are a strength. And these things are something that like can bring positivity into your life and the lives of others because of the way you think. And I think embracing that is 
just amazing especially like on such a young like you said three to nine that's that's like crazy um crazy young but also like the just the right amount of time I feel like the right age to start saying like you are great and you are positive and you are wonderful not in spite of your neurodivergence but because of it exactly that's exactly right well said well said thank you um those are all of the questions I had for today did you have anything else you wanted to bring up no I'm just really happy to get to talk to you Michael and to have an opportunity to share kind of my positive kind of Pollyanna yet very positive perspective on being neurodivergent um yeah I love to talk about how cool it is well I really enjoyed having you today I really enjoyed our conversations thank you for having me I think I'm gonna wrap up now um So have a great day, night, afternoon, everyone, and I will see you in the next one.